0: Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com, where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five star review. Now, here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello, everyone. I've got a wonderful Bible verse for you today. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. We'll look at that verse in a moment. First, there's still time to purchase any and all of my books for your family and friends for Christmas. God works all things together for your good. The Red Sea Rules, The Jordan River Rules, The Mediterranean Sea Rules, Calm Your Anxiety, The 50 Final Events in World History, Then Sings My Soul, Books 1, 2, and 3, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, and others. You can go to your local Christian bookstore. My particular church, World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, has a wonderful bookstore with many of my books there. Or you can go to Christian Book Distributors or Amazon or to my website, robertjmorgan.com. Give the gift of reading this Christmas. Give the gift of inspiration. Now, whenever you handle a set of papers, you're probably going to come across one of the world's greatest and most lowly inventions, a paperclip. It was invented by a Norwegian man who just twisted some wire together so that it would secure papers. He never imagined that other people would come up with hundreds of ways to use his paper clip. How many criminals have we seen on television or in the movies who escaped because they picked their handcuffs or their cells with a paper clip? How many of us have hung Christmas ornaments on the tree with paper clips? How many of us have used one as a key ring? or stuck one in our glasses when the screw came out. I was doing that one day when I met a man who looked at me and said, I see you have a screw loose. Well, there's one very thing that is hard to do with a paper clip, and that is to unfold it and untwist it so as to make it perfectly straight again. A straight piece of wire, horizontal, linear, without any bumps in it. It's very hard to straighten out crooked wire. But when the Lord helps you, you can keep working at it for as long as it takes when you're talking about your own life. Well, we'll talk about that today as we continue our series of studies into the small letter of 1 John near the end of the Bible. We're coming to the ending of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. So, if you're able to open your Bible, if you're at a desk or maybe in your chair or at the kitchen table, wherever it is that you have a Bible nearby, then turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. If you can't, then I'll read it for you, and you can follow along as you're driving or doing whatever it is you're doing, beginning with 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, dear children, continue, or abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope within them purify themselves just as he is pure. The first idea that comes up here is that of abiding in Christ. The Apostle John again brings up this concept that he has already referred to in this chapter and to which he is very uh, attached He remembered that Jesus introduced this in the Upper Room Discourse. And so, if you go back to John chapter 15, you see the Lord's parable of the vine and the branches, and Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Abide in me, and you will bear fruit. So, here in his epistle, John says, and now, dear children, continue, or abide, or live, or dwell in him. Now, let's look at this figure a little bit more, the idea of abiding. It means, first of all, that we must be attached to Christ, devoted to him in unbroken fellowship. The vine is the trunk of the plant that is connected to the roots and emerges strong and upright from the ground, and the branch is ancillary. It is a limb or offshoot. In other words, Jesus could have used the idea of the human body of an arm. Here I am, if you can imagine it. The core of my physical self runs from my head to my feet, but between my head and my feet, God has placed critical organs such as my heart and lungs that keep me alive. Well, in addition, I have two arms, one on my right and one on my left. My core body can live without my right arm, but my right arm cannot live without my core body. In other words, my arm needs to remain in an unbroken connection to my core body, just as the branch needs to remain or to abide in unbroken fellowship with the vine. When we are abiding in Jesus Christ, it means that we are enjoying unbroken fellowship with Him. We are attached to Him, and He is our everything. Secondly, if that's true, then we are supplied with everything we need, not only attached to Him, but supplied by Him with everything we need, especially on a spiritual and emotional level. Just as sap flows continually between the branch and the vine, so the Holy Spirit flows continually from Jesus Christ to us, and we are always receiving the spiritual resources we need, such as the truth of God's Scripture and His power, His grace, we receive it by means of His circulating Holy Spirit. And thirdly, if we're being abiding in Christ, then not only are we attached to Him and supplied by Him with all of the spiritual resources we need, but we are bearing fruit for Him we are fruitful. We develop an agape type dimension of divine love that brings with it joy and peace and good works. So, Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bring forth much fruit. Just as a vine is the core of the plant and the branch has got to be attached to it and supplied by it and thereby will bring fruit from it, so it is with us and Christ. The idea of abiding implies being attached to Christ, supplied by Him, and fruitful for Him. That isn't true in its fullest sense for every Christian, for some Christians are living sub-Christian lives. They may be attached to Christ, but they're not healthy spiritually. There are habits or attitudes that grieve the Holy Spirit and reduce the flow of His circulation just as you may have circulation problems with your arms but that's why John told these Christians in western turkey to make sure they continue abiding in Christ just as John taught us in John 15 well how do you know if you're abiding in Christ one way is by how often you think about his return the second coming let's go back to our paragraph here in 1 John chapter 2 verse 28 And now, dear children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. We want to live in such a way that we will have no regrets when he comes, when we see him and stand before him and give an account of our lives. Now, John is going to expand on this and go further into it in the next verse. Verse 28 says, And now, dear children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And then he goes on to say in chapter 3, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know this, that when Christ appears, we should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, think about verse 1 there. It says that God loves us, but he doesn't just love us. He lavishes his love on us, and he doesn't just lavish his love on us. He lavishes his great love, his mega love on us. See what great love the Father has lavished on you. Think of a marriage. It's wonderful if a husband and wife love each other, but what would it be like if they lavished great love on each other? What would it be like if parents lavished their children with love and children their parents lavish means occurring in profusion with great amounts, amounts without limit, given with great expression. And that is just how much God loves you. He loves you. He lavishes you with his love. He lavishes you with his great love. And he lavishes you with his great love to such an extent that he calls you his son and daughter. Now, John, it seems like here as we read this, he just couldn't get over it. Look at the emphatic language. He repeats it three times. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him, dear children. Now we are children of God. John is an old man who had served Jesus since he was a teenager, having known our Lord personally, being one of the original apostles. But still yet, even in his old age, he couldn't get over this incredible truth that we are children of God, who has lavished his great love on us. We are children of God. We really are. Actually, truly we are because of his love. The world doesn't understand that, said John. And in the context of our studies, he is saying that the deserters who are leaving the churches and proclaiming a false narrative about Christ, well, they don't know what they are missing. They don't know what they are leaving. They think they are superior and smarter and shrewder, but they are simply people of this world while we are truly the eternal children of a loving Heavenly Father. And that's why we can anticipate the future. Christ is coming back for us. John said, And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. In other words, when Jesus comes again, He will rapture or resurrect us. He will transform us and he will make us like himself. We can't imagine all that that means, but we do have some ideas about it. For example, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 42, "...so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable." It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And Paul went on in verse 51 to say, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. The perishable will be clothed with the imperishable, he repeats, and the mortal with immortality. The British Broadcasting Company did a program on what the human body will be like after a million more years of evolution. They suggest that we may have brain implants, just as we now have implants like pacemakers or new hips. For example, we might have a brain implant that will help us remember everyone's name. Or we might have implants in our eyes that allow us to take pictures or see things far away. They say we will have designer babies, just like now we have designer pets. Well, interestingly, none of that has anything to do with evolution. It's all advances in technology. And to me, and I suppose to you some of them have very ominous undertones. I don't doubt that if the human race survives another hundred years and if Christ doesn't return, the advances in medicine will be amazing. But in the end, every human being will die because it is appointed unto man once to die, the wages of sin is death, and no matter what kind of technologies or advancements are made, we will never have anything like the glorified body that we will have at the moment of resurrection. When Christ comes again, that will be the true revolution in human development. We will be resurrected with bodies patterned after His own glorified, resurrected body, which will never again age or feel pain or suffer diseases, and which will be capable of things we cannot even imagine." That's what John is saying. And so we are to abide in Christ. We are to anticipate His coming, living righteously and eager for our new bodies. But there's one other thing in this passage. If we do that, we will adopt His standard of purity as our own. We've got to abide in Christ. We've got to anticipate His coming and we've got to adopt our Lord's standard of purity as our own. Let's read the whole passage again. And now, dear children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great... Love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we should be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as he is pure. Do you see up in verse 28, John says that we should live so that we'll be confident and unashamed that he's coming. In verse 29, he says that if we know that he is righteous, we should be righteous. And then it says in chapter 3, verse 3, that all of us who have this hope purify ourselves just as he is pure. Now, John has already told us in chapter 1 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. But now he says that we have a part to play in this as well. We must work on purifying ourselves. Basically, that means we must keep working all of our lives on correcting those bad habits we have. Think again of that piece of wire that is all twisted and bent and crushed and contorted. You take that wire and you go through it inch by inch trying to straighten it out. Well, it's got to be the Lord who really makes it straight and pure, but we have our part to do. We've got to keep working on personal holiness and maturity. We've got to keep working on those twisted habits and attitudes, straightening them out. And whatever bad habit it is that you are working on, never stop Fighting, never give up, and when Christ comes, we'll give him the wire, and in an instant he will turn it into a cable that is straight and true, and capable of transmitting a trillion watts of power and glory towards him every second. So, what do you do when you need to straighten out your life? You're like a piece of bent wire, and you want to straighten yourself out. Well, first of all, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. And then he will also give you the motivation and the ability to keep purifying yourself from all sin. You can keep working on this. And why? Because we are children of God. That is what we are. You are the recipient of God's lavish love. The world doesn't know us, but he does and he gives us these great imperatives in this paragraph, as simple as this. We're to abide in him, to anticipate his coming, and to adopt his purity as our own. I hope that you'll begin doing that even today. Thanks for digging into the riches of the Bible with me, and remember to check out all of the books that the Lord has allowed us to create out of our ministry that may be of encouragement to others, and you can find them wherever you buy your books. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Audio engineering and production is by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes these episodes, condenses them, adds an opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website at Morgan where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and may God be with you until we meet again.